0: Have your Bibles turn to Lamentations chapter 3. We've been walking through this series, began this series uh, last week on gratitude. And, and uh, last week we looked at 1 Samuel chapter 2 and the story of Hannah, and Hannah breaks out in a song of thanksgiving. Uh, today we're looking at Jeremiah in uh, less than ideal circumstances. So while you're turning there to Lamentations chapter 3, just remind you, tonight at 5 o'clock we're going to uh, have a Campus Catalyst meeting. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be a great time as our staff... Uh, presents uh, to you the, uh, uh, the 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 picture of what Volvo location is going to look like as we uh, furnish it and uh, build it out and all the things put all the different things in there uh, and tonight we're going to uh, kind of open the door of Volvo location to you and and let you see what's going to be on the inside uh, but we're also going to ask you to approve that that furnishing budget and the uh, uh, our finance team and our church council have met and they've approved the budget, but we've got to bring it to you all uh, and encourage you to come back and hear more about that. And uh, we're excited about January 14th. January 14th is our launch date for that Volvo location. Uh, and it's going to be exciting as we reach uh, uh, those who are far from God through this Hill location and simultaneously reach those who are far from God from our Volvo location it's going to be a great journey as we, uh, uh, one church in different locations, as we seek to uh, advance the gospel um, and, and advance the kingdom. All right, so uh, Lamentations chapter 3, uh, here's the setting. Uh, Jeremiah is in the pits, and I don't mean just a little bit. He is literally, emotionally, spiritually, and physically in in the pits. He is drained. He is overwhelmed with his circumstances, with life. um, And the truth is he's sitting physically in the rubble of his hometown. Marauding opponents of Israel and Judah came barreling through the territory in 586 B.C. and they overthrew Jerusalem and The wall was broken down and the people were held captive or killed. And Jerusalem and all of Judea is now in poverty and Jeremiah is sitting in the ash heap. And maybe that's where you are today. Maybe emotionally or spiritually, maybe even physically, you're sitting in the ruin, and you, you're desperate, you're desperate for a way out. If you were to read the first uh, two chapters of Lamentations and then the first 19 verses of Lamentations chapter 3, you would hear Jeremiah's plight. This is the prophet of God. This is the one who brought the word of God to the people of God. And the people of God ignored the word of God. And they were persistent in their rebellion so much so that God finally left them to their own judgment. And now everything is in ruin. And Jeremiah feels the pain. The pain of Rebellion, can I just say that constant rebellion against God will always lead to ruin in your life? I don't know if you know that. I can tell you by firsthand experience. Persistent rebellion against God, refusing to repent your sin, even as a follower of Jesus, it will lead you to ruin. This I know full well not only because it's in the pages of scripture but because it's my personal experience oh friends learn the lesson of jerusalem in a heap of ruin because of their rebellion and followers of jesus oh friends do not do not join the chorus of unfaithfulness being persistent in unfaithfulness And if that's who you are today, I beg you, repent. I beg you, repent. Uh, I've got to paint the scope of this. Uh, uh, Just listen to a few of the verses in verses 1 through 19 of chapter 3. Uh, Now, this is Jeremiah talking to God or talking about God, okay? So uh, beginning in verse 1, he says, I'm the man who has seen affliction by the rod of God's wrath. He's he's led me and he's made me walk in darkness and not light. He's turned his hand against me time and time again throughout the day. He's aged my flesh and my skin. He's broken my bones. Down in verse 10, he has been, God has been a bear lying in wait to me. He has been like a lion waiting in ambush for me. He has turned aside my ways. He's torn me in pieces. He's made me desolate. I've become, verse 14, I've become a ridicule to all my people, their taunting song all the day. He's filled me with bitterness. And he's made me drink wormwood. Verse 16, he's broken my teeth with gravel. He's covered me with ashes. You've moved my soul far from peace and I've forgotten abundance. And I said, My strength and my hope have perished from the Lord. Remember my affliction and roaming, the wormwood and the gall. My soul still remembers and sinks within me. Have you ever been there? I mean, that's a troubling place. I've been there. But there's something that happens between Lamentations 3, verse 20, and Lamentations 3, verse 21. There's something that changes for Jeremiah. There's something that changes in his perspective. It moves him from, from, from the despair and the hopelessness and, and, and literally, in, in one of these descriptions in chapter 3, he says, he says, Lord, I'm the bullseye and you're shooting the arrow and you're going to hit me. Now, that's where Jeremiah was. Oh, woe is me. My life is undone. I am a miserable wretch. There's no hope for me. Everything is dark. There is no light. Do you hear the pain, the isolation and the sorrow and the grief? That's where he was living. Do you know that pain? And yet, in the midst of the rubble and the ruin, Something changes. Now, again, look at verse 20, verse 19 and 20. Remember my affliction and my roaming, the wormwood and the gall. My soul still remembers and sinks within me. So he's remembering all the pain and all the bitterness, and his soul sinks. Now, verse 21. This I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. Something's different about verse 21. Everything's bad up to verse 20. But then verse 21, this I recall to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. There's something that gives him hope. It's nothing that's found in verses 1 through 19. But there's something that gives him hope. There's some change and transformation that takes place. Look at verse 22. My soul, uh, 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 through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Because his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. He is good to those who seek him. Today, as we look at this passage, I, I, I want us to I want us to lean into how do we get from the rubble to the place of gratitude? How do, we, how do we find a heart of gratitude and a lifestyle of gratitude? How do we become a people filled with grateful hearts? How, how do we get there when we're sitting in the rubble? When, when everything around us has fallen to pieces, when it seems the seams of our soul have come unraveled, when our world has gone to hell in a handbasket? How do we find gratitude? Where do we find joy? Where do we get get peace? Where do we gain perspective that leads to hope? As we look at this passage, the big idea is very simple, that gratitude grows and flows from God's fresh mercy poured out on us. And guys, listen, it is fresh mercy that He promises here. I mean, something new every day. Do you get it? Something fresh every morning for us who belong to him. Now, I, let me stop, and I've got to say this, okay, because I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you don't get the fresh mercy. And I don't mean that in an ugly way. I'm just trying to tell truth. I don't want you to walk out of this place confused and thinking that God gives fresh mercy to everybody. Oh, oh he doesn't. God only gives fresh mercy to those who are part of his family. And if you're here today, if you're here today and you have never experienced that wondrous, uh, life-changing, life-shaping, perspective-giving love of God that brings us into His family through faith in Christ, if you've never tasted that, then, then what I'm about to tell you, it just won't matter. If you're here today and all you have is showing up at church and you say, that's enough for me, I'm telling you right now, that's not enough for you. Not if you want a heart filled with gratitude, joy, and hope. You say, "Well, I, you know, I'm, I, I, I try to read my Bible every day, and I try to pray every day, and, and 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 I'm a member of the church." Friends, being a member of the church is never synonymous with being part of God's family. Hear me. Hear the word of God. Just because you. Did whatever your church determines you've got to do to sign up and join. That does not make you part of God's family. There is but one way to God. There is but one way to bridge the gulf that your sin and my sin has created between us and a. Holy God, listen, there is nothing that I can do to bridge the distance that my sin has created. There is no religion I can pursue. There is no moral code that I can embrace. There is no amount of 100% perfect attendance at the church service that will ever get me to God or get you to God. It doesn't work like that. The only thing that bridges the distance between sinful Eric and holy God is Jesus who died on a cross for my sin who was buried and was raised again to give me new life. And when I repent my sin and bow my life before Jesus and come to him broken and needy and desperate because I know that I'm going to die and go to hell without him, I cry out to Jesus and I say, oh Jesus, rescue me. And in that moment, where I place my faith in Jesus and I repent my sin, in that moment, God scoops me up and says, now, Eric, you're part of my family. Now you're born again. Now you've been rescued. Now you're part of the family of God and everything has changed. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Here you are, Eric, brand new in my family. If you've never experienced that, if all you've got is a bunch of church words and phrases, if that's all you've got, then you're going to live the rest of your days hopelessly. If all you've got is being good, then you're going to spend the rest of your days miserable because you'll never be good enough. Hear me, friends. There's but one way to taste the fresh mercy of God, and that is to be part of his family, and there's only one way to be part of his family. As many as received him, Jesus, to as many as believed on his name, to them he gave the right to become part of God's family. Have you experienced that? Have you tasted that? Is that your testimony? If it's not, friends, before this day is done, will you, I beg you, will you choose Christ? Not, not being a Baptist or a Baptist or a Baptist Presbyterian. Will you choose Christ and be saved? Will you choose Christ and be safe? But if you are part of God's family, if if that's who you are, and that's really the the, the point of of lamentations as we look at it through the lens of of being part of God's family through Christ, as we look at that, what we see here is that gratitude flows from this fresh mercy that God pours out to us. We we get the first taste through Jesus when when He becomes our Savior and our King, but then as followers of Jesus, part of His family, we understand that, that we need His fresh mercy to meet us in our own hope. Hopelessness and despair because I got to tell you, when I'm sinning against God, hopelessness takes over and ruin will fall on me without repentance. And it's in the rubble of that making of my own. Or maybe it's not your sinfulness that led to the ruin, maybe it's just circumstances that are overwhelming you. Somebody did something to you or against you and has left you in the rubble and in the ash heap if that's who you are please understand hear me please as a follower of Jesus you got to train your heart toward hope you got to train the track of your heart toward hope see this is what this is what uh, Jeremiah did in verse 20 one, the, the, the transformation, the change that took place, it wasn't something God did differently. It was something Jeremiah did differently. Do you understand? It's, it's not that God has to do anything differently. He's already doing good all around you. It's sometimes, it's something that we've got to do different. Uh, the old adage says, if you want the same thing you've always got, then think the same things you always thought. If you want something different, you got to think something different. And, and in some ways, that's what we see in, in, in verse 21. He says, this I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. Well, what, what is it that he recalls to his mind? Maybe he goes back to Psalm 136, or maybe he goes back to Psalm 106, verse 34. Maybe he goes back to First Chronicles chapter 16. What, what do those passages have in common? Here's what those passages say. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love never fails. In fact, if you want to hear the first 7-Eleven song ever written, y'all know 7-Eleven songs? That's where you have a a verse that's repeated seven words, repeated 11 times. I don't know how y'all describe it. But some of y'all are really against them. Don't, Don't read Psalm 136. You better tear that page out of your Bible. Psalm 136. I mean, j- j- just listen, and, and, and just, I, I mean, it, just listen. You, you don't like repetitive in worship? Repetitive words and phrases, oh, I can't believe we repeat the same thing over and over again. That's not right. Come on, guys. Psalm 136. Just listen. Okay? Just, just listen. And, and, and it might get a little stale unless you're really listening with the heart. That is focused on God. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods, for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endures forever. Get a theme? That's only three verses. To him who alone does great wonders for his mercy endures forever. To him who by wisdom made the heavens for his mercy endures forever. To him who laid out the earth above the waters for his mercy endures forever. To him who made great lights for his mercy endures forever. The sun to rule by day for his mercy endures forever. The moon and stars to rule by night for his mercy endures forever. To him who struck the firstborn in Egypt for his mercy endures forever. Who brought them out of Israel from among them for his mercy endures forever. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm for his mercy. Mercy endures forever, for uh, to him who divided the Red Sea in two, for his mercy endures forever, and made Israel pass through in the midst of it, for his mercy endures forever, but overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea, for his mercy endures forever, to him who led his people through the wilderness, for his mercy endures forever, to him who struck down great kings, for his mercy endures forever, and slew famous kings, for his mercy endures forever, Sihon, king of the Amorites, for his mercy endures forever, and Og, king of Bashan, for his mercy endures forever, and gave their land as a heritage, for his mercy endures forever. A heritage to Israel, his servant for his mercy endures forever. Who remembered us in our lowly state for his mercy endures forever. And rescued us from our enemies for his mercy endures forever. Who gives food to all people for his mercy endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of heaven for his mercy endures forever. Now maybe Jeremiah got caught up in that. Maybe he began to retrain the track of his heart instead of, instead of focusing on the rubble and the ash and the, and the, uh, the, the smell of burnt wood and, and the smell of burnt dreams and broken, uh, shattered lives. Instead of focusing on that, maybe he began to train the track of his heart to, to, to see the, the, the faithful, steadfast, never failing love of God. Maybe he began to rehearse it. Maybe he began to say, like Psalm 136 is a rehearsal of the history of Israel. It's literally a rehearsal of the history of Israel. And it it focuses on the the mercy of the Lord. That's the steadfast love of God. The psalmist is saying, hey, listen, if you haven't figured it out yet, you want a life that's filled with gratitude, then you better focus on the steadfast love of the living God. Are you training the track of your heart to stay focused on the things that will lead you to hope? Or are you just stuck in despair and deciding that you're just going to stay there? There's nothing wrong with complaint. I do it all the time, don't you? That's not a bad thing unless it's the only thing. Unless you see your troubles as bigger than the God whose mercy endures forever. So today, I just want to encourage you, as followers of Jesus, you want to regain that, you want to dip your soul again in the font of gratitude, and and you want to taste hope in your life, then, then train the track of your heart to set your gaze upon what God is doing. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Are you going to give him thanks today? Let's just take a moment. I know, I know it's 11.55, and, and this is one point to a 10-point sermon. I know it is. <laughs> Y'all are nervous about what time you're going to get out. But let's just take a moment and speak our thanksgiving to the God who is good, whose mercy endures forever. What's he doing in your life for which you give thanks today? What is he doing in your life for which you give thanks? Talk. What's he doing? What? Provision. Provision. Every breath, courage, courage, healing for his mercy endures forever. Say that again, Miss Talk. Wisdom and, guidance. Wisdom and guidance for his mercy endures forever. What? Food. food? Did he say food? Yes. Food. Yes. That's a young growing boy right there. That's, <laughs> for his mercy endures forever. Love to all, for His mercy endures forever. Salvation, for His mercy endures forever. Forgiveness, for His mercy endures forever. Faithfulness, for His mercy endures forever. Peace, His mercy endures forever. Freedom. Is that what you said, freedom? They can take my life, but they can't take my freedom? Freedom. Was that a good one? No, freedom, for His mercy endures forever his goodness for his mercy endures forever what's this he gives us hope focus on hope have any of you had him do something surprising in your life what's he done for his mercy endures forever what what else has he done He's brought healing to your life and mercy endures forever. Protection of his angels for his mercy endures forever. Say, say What? One more time. Given you a life to live. His mercy endures forever. Hey, wait, say that again. Love in Jesus, and what was this over here? Forgiveness, and, and then up here, He saved us. Forgiveness, His Son, He saved us. Jesus, yes, for His mercy endures forever. He's given us joys, He's given us church, eternal life. Who's married? He's given you your spouse. Your husband or your wife, and yes, indeed, for his mercy endures forever. (laughs) Honey, I didn't mean that funny. I don't know why they're laughing. I mean it. He's given us children by his grace. Yes, ma'am. Hmm is talk. He took my son to open my eyes. Hmm. Amen. Amen. For his mercy endures forever. Listen, you start your day. Think about it. You start your day and you are in charge of what your mind and your heart settle in on. I mean, you are. God's already doing his work. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. He's already doing His work, but are you training the track of your heart to celebrate that goodness in your life? Literally, in the Hebrew language, verse 21, literally it says, I caused my heart to know. Jeremiah worked it in his own heart. And he moved the track of his heart toward hope. Hope in what? Well, hope in the steadfast love of the Lord. And we got to, when we train the track of our heart toward hope by celebrating the goodness of God in our lives, and oh, friends and family, if you are a follower of Jesus, then you've got a whole a, a whole resume of things that God is doing in your life. Celebrate. Thank Him for it. Stop stop spending all your energy complaining about the rubble. God's wanting to move you out of the rubble. Let Him. But train the track of your heart toward hope by focusing on the goodness He's doing. Do you see the goodness? If not, if you don't see any goodness in your life, then can I just... Maybe ask, are you really a follower of Jesus? Because if nothing else, you can begin with the shed blood of Christ that purchased you from off the chopping block of sin. And if that's all you got, that's all you need. When we train the track of our mind toward hope, then we wrap our mind around the steadfast unfailing love of God that's, that's verse 22 he says he says through the Lord's mercies that term for mercy is is hesed and it literally means steadfast or covenant love and your translations probably say something like steadfast or covenant love and it's talking about the through the mercies of the Lord I'm not consumed for his compassions fail not they're new every morning great is your faithfulness What Jeremiah is saying is, look, I'm going to train the track of my mind toward hope because I'm going to wrap my mind around this steadfast, unfailing love of God. This unfailing love. Do you realize this is the love that God exercised when he sent Jesus to die for sinners? Not, Not people who earned his love. Not people who deserved his love. But he sent Jesus to die for sinners. People hostile toward him. That's you and me. We don't deserve his love, and yet he offers it. Isn't that amazing? The amazing thing is that he doesn't stop after we come into the family. He doesn't bring us into the family and say, okay, well, uh, if anything changes about me loving you, I'll let you know. No, he, he wants to pour out compassions toward us that matches the troubles we may face. And his love that pours out these compassions, do you, do, do you get the idea? Do you understand this unfailing love? It's not dependent upon our goodness or our badness. His love doesn't soar when we're better and stop when we're bad. His love is never ending, never failing, always abounding, regardless of our perfection or our imperfection. There is nothing in you as a follower of Jesus that can make God love you any more or love you any less. He is persistent and faithful in his love, and that love moves him to help. Do you realize that God does not long for you to suffer? Suffering is not the end goal for God. He he doesn't want you to stay in the ash heap. That's not His planned purpose for your life. Certainly being in the ash heap can bring about a lot of things that are good in our life. But God's ultimate end for you and me is not the ash heap. It's victory. God's ultimate end for you and me is to live a life that displays His glory in the most magnificent ways. but you gotta wrap your head around His love. Stop, stop thinking that God stops loving you because you stop being faithful or you, you're disobedient. I, you know, I have, I have four daughters and I haven't raised one perfect one yet. They're great, great girls but not one of them has perfectly obeyed me and I can tell you I love them just the same way I did when they were born. And I'm just, a, I'm just an earthly father. That's all I am. When Jesus brings us into the family of God, we are under the care of the perfect Father, who loves us with a perfect love. You've got some struggles in your life. Trust God with the struggles you got some pain in your life. Trust God with the pain. Run to him. Don't run away from him. Run to him. Wrap your mind around his unfailing love and run to him. Trust him with your hurt, your pain, your sorrow, even your rebellion, even your unfaithfulness. Run to him. Don't run away from him. And when you run to him, you will find his love wrapping you up in the warm embrace of his compassion. I don't want to have time to dig any deeper in that. But let me just say, if you're going to run to him, that means that you're going to set your soul to seek him. Now, here's the thing. There is no way that you can seek the Lord and sin at the same time. Again, I've tried. It doesn't work. Either you're seeking the Lord and not sinning or you're sinning and you're not seeking the Lord. Don't play the game, the religious game, this, this, this game that we think that we can play and fool ourselves or fool God or fool the church or fool other people into thinking that because I do some things that look like I'm seeking the Lord and I'm sinning all the while, make no mistake, the sin without repentance demolishes seeking the Lord. This I know. I know this. I beg you, don't make that mistake, right? Here's here's how Jeremiah uh, said it. He said, The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. The Lord is my portion. You know what that's a statement of? That's a statement of the Lord God Almighty. He's all that I have, and He's all that I need, and that's enough. It's a statement of commitment. God, you're everything to me. You are everything to me. I have no other gods before you. You are everything all to me. I abandon every other affection for you, my affection for you. I abandon every other ambition. My greatest ambition is you. I abandon everything for you. Oh God, you are my portion, not my work, not my effort, not my money, not my relationships on this earthly plane. That's not my portion. I only have one portion and that is you, Lord. And if the Lord is not your portion, friends, then you're abdicating hope and courage and joy and peace. If you and I are going to seek the Lord, and we're going to set our soul to seek the Lord, then we have to make a commitment that Jesus is everything. And He is better than life itself. In the way we take hold, the way we taste. This everlasting, unfailing love in our everyday life as followers of Jesus is when we set our soul to, 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 to seek the Lord. That's why, that's why it says in verse 25 that the Lord is good to those who wait for him. He is good to those who seek him. He, the, uh, for the soul that seeks him, he's saying, hey, listen, if you want to taste the good that God has ready to pour out on you, this fresh mercy that he's ready to drop into your life, then you've got to seek him as your only hope. Because He is your only hope. So today I want to invite you to come to the altar and and seek the Lord. To seek the Lord and find His goodness surrounding your soul and wrapping you up in the warm embrace of His compassion, pouring out His fresh mercy in your life. I invite you to come and seek the Lord. maybe you need to retrain the track of your heart toward hope. I think we all do at different times. I think all of us need to stop thinking about this, that, or the other thing and start tracking with what God has done and is doing in our life. We need to begin our days through the days of difficulty. We need to begin our days and every day focused on give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his steadfast love. Is never failing. I want to. I want to. I want to train the track of my heart toward hope by by wrapping my mind around this unfailing love of God. Listen, I've blown it, and I've blown it bad in my life, and I've blown it in ways that that I, I'm, I'm too ashamed to talk about. And I'm telling you, I, I've blown it so bad that I've sat in the rubble. But even in the midst of the rubble, even surrounded by the in the ash heap of my own sinfulness, when I repent before the living God as one of His children, His arms. are are ready to pick me up and embrace me in His his steadfast, unfailing love. And He sustains me and He nourishes me as long as I set my soul to seek Him, as long as I set my soul to pursue Him. he, he, He constantly swirls this world around me. And he says, okay, you're going to go through this storm and the consequences of that rebellion. And you're going to go through this pain and you're going to go through the hollow of, of this difficulty. And it's all because of the rubble. But Eric, listen, understand I'm with you. Here I am. I'll be good to you. You've got my hand. I've got your hand. Let's walk. And we walk together and he, and I find strength and courage and hope and perseverance, but you've got to start if you're a follower of Jesus, you've got to start focusing on what God is doing for the good in your life give thanks to the Lord for his good set your mind and wrap it around this unfailing love that God has displayed toward you and seek Him with all that you are. As you prepare your hearts for Thanksgiving on Thursday, don't just have a meal and a couple of prayers, but literally give yourself to gratitude. Gratitude grows and flows out of the fresh mercy that God pours out on us. Oh God, let it flow. Would you bow your heads, please? As we've gathered here today, there are some in this room, and you have not yet become a follower of Jesus. Like those at the earlier hour, you realize that that you are separated from God by your sin and you are desperate to know Him. You, you may be a religious person or a moral person, but today you know that you are a lost person. So I beg you today, choose Christ. I beg you to call upon him to rescue you from the pit of your sin that has separated you from God, that, that you would come to Christ and be rescued today. And if that is who you are, I invite you to come to the altar. Uh, come to one of the pastors here at the front, one of the ministers here. You come to them and say, I need to choose Christ today and we'll help you with, on that journey. Others of you, you're here today and you just need to come to the altar and cry out to the Lord. There are broken places in your heart and in your life and you need. you need Jesus to do a mighty work of grace in you. So I invite you today to come to the altar. Broken, shattered. Yes. Come to the altar. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Come to the altar. Celebrate His unfailing love. And his fresh faithfulness that he pours out toward you and seek the Lord. Now, Father, in these moments, I pray that you be glorified as we seek you with our whole heart. Do a mighty work of your grace among us. Draw to yourself those whom you are calling and help for us to worship you in spirit and in truth. And it's in the name of Jesus, we pray.